It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome on Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the Right. And and see, I, I put the grasshopper, grasshopper, up there. Grasshopper. Uh, and uh, I hope all the grasshoppers, grasshopper mama, mamas, mamalas, are watching <laughs> today. Happy, happy Mother's Day on a nasty, windy, rainy. Uh, oh boy. What rain? Yeah, I know. I, I, I absolutely no rain up here. Nothing. Are you kidding? Well, you know totally what? Totally dry. I think you're Completely the dividing dry. line. You must be the. I've got about, and I was going to tell Rick DeMaio uh, this later on, our meteorologist, uh, who's been warning us uh, about how dry things are out there. You know, it it's amazing how things can be so dry and miserable mm-hmm. in one week. You know, we've had yeah. this mist and kind of drizzle, uh, but it hasn't added to the precipitation levels. Uh, I have two tenths in my rain gauge this morning um which is great compared to mm-hmm. uh, we had the other day we had two days of this kind of same kind of weather this nasty sort of drizzly cold stuff uh earlier in the week i had a, a trace it, it didn't even get yeah. to a tenth it was it looked yeah, like same. yeah um wow uh and and so there's just enough rain uh in the, the midwest uh, in certain parts not your area to make things miserable, like at the uh, Logan Square Farmer's Market, which uh, opens this morning. Uh, and that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about farmer's markets, and a couple of great guests uh, are, are with us. We'll bring them in in, in just a second. Um, and uh, as uh, one of our guests, Bob Benenson, said, somebody's got to draw the sh- short straw. And uh, <laughs> Logan Square did. And Logan Square did. This is their opening day, and yeesh. Uh they missed it uh, by a day, I think, on either side, because I think Monday is going to be decent, and yesterday was a pretty nice day, actually. Uh, but the show must go on, as they say. and that it uh, must. And given that a year ago, there were no farmer's markets at this point. We were in the pandemic. Nobody knew what to do. It's kind of interesting how that's all changed. Um, and now we realize being outdoors is the safest place you can be. Um, mm-hmm. I posted uh, at my blog, uh, go to mikenovak.net, 
there's a link to a New York Times article that looked at the last year. I was fascinated by it. I was reading it yesterday morning, and so the timing was perfect. Uh, so I, I, I put a link there in, in the blog, and it's about how this has evolved over the past year uh, to uh, where we can determine what's safe. Um, mm-hmm. And basically it's masks um, and outdoors. Masks and outdoors, and that's a winner. That's a keeper. Um, and some of the stuff we were doing was uh, a century old. Some of the advice was just dead wrong because we're finding now that COVID-19 is spread via aerosol rather than droplets. And some people go, well, what's the difference? It's a huge difference. Droplets, you know, are much larger than aerosol. And aerosol travels much farther, which is why it was so dangerous indoors, Is which is why we've had uh, those super spreader events indoors. Uh, outdoors, it's harder. Uh, but given uh, that it, dil- it still does spread via aerosol, wearing a mask and being outdoors is a good combination. And we're still in that, in that point. So anyway, that's my uh, medical uh, update for the up- morning. Update. There we go. Wait, no. Okay. Um, and so uh, after we talk farmers markets, Peggy and I are going to chit chat a little bit. I had an opportunity to go visit Monty and Rose, and oh, oh, was that the coolest thing ever? <laughs> oh my God! The Monty and Rose. The Monty and Rose, the piping plovers at uh, Montrose Beach uh, on uh, the shoreline with, with, of with the Bob Dolgan with the. Bob Dolgan and the Leslie Bournes. Um, they were great. They were so helpful. Uh, it was just a, a, a magic couple of hours there. Magical couple of hours. And, and actually seeing those two, and they're tiny. If you got, you got the, them on video. I got them on video. We're going to show the video. It's, it's only 48 seconds long. <laughs> Look, that, there they go. That's it, pretty much what it was. And it was hard to keep up with them, but we're giving it away now. So uh, <laughs> we don't want to do that because I want people to tune in later and see the Monty and Rose video. But there's video. a surprise in the video. There is a surprise visitor in the video. There's a, cu- there's, yeah, a couple of surprise <laughs> visitors in the video. So we will show that. And we're going to talk about the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards 62nd Garden Video Challenge. Yeah, it's open. You need to get your videos in for the spring session or section. Um whichever, uh, which is now through the end of June. So, and this cold weather is great because it's, it's like putting everything in a, in a refrigerator. Just hold that bloom. Get some pretty photos with mist on them. My caria japonica, because of the cold weather, bloomed for like three weeks. It Hmm. was uh, unbelievable. Uh, Just, and it was just gorgeous just sitting out there. Now I've got columbine all over the place out front that's it's just go, uh, wow. along with my my red and uh yellow uh colubine uh, uh canadensis um with my purple allium it's very cool it's a it's a it's a great look so my we'll trillium ta- are blooming all over my native geranium are blooming all over the trillium you gave me are blooming in my backyard so uh i haven't seen the jack in the pulpit yet i have to I have one magnificent jack in the pulpit you gave me that I need. I need a few more of those uh, out there. It's, I have it's, many. Uh, 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 oh, you, feel free to dig them up. 
feel free to dig them up and, and send them along to me, okay? So uh, so that's on the show. And, of course, I, as I mentioned before, meteorologist Rick DeMaio will be with us also uh, it, it, around 1030 and uh, explain. And he, he's got some explaining to do about uh, this uh, Mother's Day, but it's really not his fault, as you know. So uh, let's get yeah, to it. Yeah, okay. We'll blame meteorologist <laughs> Rick DeMaio. Let's get to our guests, and there you go in the lower left-hand corner. That's Bob Benenson. Uh, how you doing, Bob? Good morning. I'm doing great, uh, Mike and Pat. Good to be with you on, uh, on the show, and uh, looking forward to talking about my favorite subjects. Which is food, of course. Food? Well, food, of course. Yeah, local <laughs> food um, uh, and uh, uh, farmer's markets and the whole local food community, which is what we're uh, aiming to cover in uh the newsletter I just started, uh, Local Food Forum. Right, and that's uh, that's what we're going to highlight on uh, today's show, one of the things. And uh, our other guest, there's uh, Elsa Jacobson, Elsa M. Jacobson. Uh, sh- should we just call you M? You're uh, welcome to do that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, Ms. M. And, and sh- she's hidden away in an office that makes it look as though there's actually sunshine somewhere in the world, but that's not true. Um, and uh, Elsa is a uh, farmer's market manager, several farmer's markets. Why don't you tell me uh, the places uh, that you manage, Elsa? Absolutely. I'm managing the Lincoln Park Farmer's Market. That's not Green City. That's the Lincoln Park Farmer's Market uh, on Saturday mornings celebrating its 40th anniversary. I'm managing Lincoln Square Tuesday and Lincoln Square Thursday, Tuesday in the morning, Thursday in the evening. And I am managing the brand new startup Uptown Farmers Market, which had its first opening forever and ever. And here we go into a wonderful <laughs> season and market um, on Wednesday evenings. Uh, wow, you're busy. That is okay. We're we're, we're going to get to that. How is that even? How that is even possible uh, to do that? Because uh, um, I I can't even imagine handling one. And I've talked to people who who manage uh, farmers markets who uh, they have their hands full. It's it's a really really hard job. Yes, Elsa. Hands and feet and toes and brain and mouth and old <laughs> smile. Because I opened four in six days, and they are all completely different. And they all opened with enthusiastic crowds. We lucked out with the weather. And it really proved that we're doing a big service to the community and the vendors by opening in May. Uh, and, and as I mentioned earlier, a year ago, we didn't know what was going to go on. And, and the markets uh, were all delayed in opening. And what we didn't realize at the time is they could have opened. We, we just didn't understand uh, the virus and how it spread, and now a year later, we've got a lot more information, and it and it and it tells us. And and people have responded to this over the past year. They they feel safer uh, at the open markets. Uh, they they are, they're interested in local food. They're interested in healthy food, uh, and uh, it has supported those markets. I have an article that I I found that I put in my blog post. Um, but just uh, anecdotally, you can tell. Uh, that the markets have thrived during this uh, pandemic. So, uh, and uh, by association, local farmers, a lot of local farmers have done very, very, very well, uh, which nobody expected. People didn't see that and a coming. Lot of, and sales of organic food up, not just at markets, but everywhere. Yeah. As well. 
And the entrepreneurial folks who have pandemic pivoted from other things and are supporting those local mm -hmm. farmers with the they're making are also thriving. So it's a it's a trickle down win win through an awful lot of people that you might not see from mm -hmm. a, a quick look. But um, I'm very impressed with some of the things that people have decided to do when their former careers uh, vanished overnight on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, 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 yeah, and also, 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 you know, I, I, it was remarkable how the farmers and the markets pivoted last spring. Uh, you know, this could have been a total mm -hmm. disaster, but they showed amazing agility. Um, a lot of them started online markets. A lot of uh, the farmers uh, who had been resisted to do so in the past started doing home delivery with their CSAs yeah. and also their uh, a la carte uh, e-commerce offerings. And that's going to have a permanent impact, even though we're back to something that more resembles the old normal with the local food scene. All these uh, producers and markets now have hours in their quiver, and they're going to be able to reach more people that way. There's going to be a the the season is the six month growing season is not going to be as relevant as it's been in the past. Yeah. So I think that you know when you combine that with what Peggy was referring to about how uh, consumers are more concerned than ever about food and health, food and wellness, food and sustainability, transparency, for the first of our lifetimes. You know, except for people yeah. who have uh, income issues that uh, uh, limit their food access, food became an issue for everybody. You know, you, your, your grocery store was closed or you, it was, uh, there were empty shelves. And so people went flocking back to their local farmers, the CSAs, which were on the verge of dying a few years ago in this market. Uh, mm -hmm. Suddenly, everybody sold out. So it's great. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's I remember the comment. Opportunity. Peak C yeah, peak CSA. We were talking about at the Good Food Expo yeah. several years back. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Back. And it it is interesting. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. What you also get added to that, Bob, of course, with a live farmers market is what people are now craving because they haven't had it for fifteen months uh, to the degree that they used to, which is human interaction. Markets give you stories. So much. They give community. They give you a feeling that you're alive again. You're not just outside, but you're learning about people's lives and their livelihoods. And that is huge for the success of our markets. Uh, that is so true also. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I basically, the chair I'm sitting in right now is basically where I've been sitting about 18 hours a day for the last 15 months since we went to ground with, uh, with, with COVID. Everything was closed last year. The markets, they had security measures, so you felt safe going there, and they still do. You're still required to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. There's still social distancing, crowd control. But I got to see friends. I mean, I've been going to these farmers markets long enough that I know a lot of the farmers, I know a lot of the vendors, and a lot of the customers are people that I know from the community. So it was the, the touch point for yeah. something resembling normal for all of last summer. Uh, and uh, let's that has led in some way to uh, your new venture, Bob. And by the way, I I, I have to put the, your your picture back. I'm admiring your COVID hair uh, because I've I've got my own I've got my own. Uh, and uh, let's see, I I don't know if you can see. I've got the ponytail going today. Oh, we coordinated. You've got the purple ponytail holder. I've got the purple sweater. Well, hey, oh, my hair we go. got long. There we go. And I got the purple but shirt. I'm I, I wanted uh, to give and the free Elsa's flag got a the ponytail. Yeah. What was yeah. that, Bob? The free flag, 
the freak flag had to get the full effect here, so I'll let it go. Uh, I, I, um, I like that. This is the longest my hair has ever been, including college. You know, <laughs> basically, I was talking to people just like this on Zoom. So what was the point? <laughs> and then it got longer and longer, and I figured, you know, I've reached an age where since I've still got hair, that's a reason to celebrate. And if it's going to grow this long, I'm going to let it. <laughs> exactly. If you got it, flaunt it. So uh, let's get to, uh, we'll get back to the farmer's markets. I, I love the overview you guys just gave us of why farmer's markets are so important. And 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 I don't think you can uh, overstate the importance of connection with people. That The thing you brought up, Elsa, how, how people get to see each other and, and, and be together in a way that they haven't been able to uh, for, for about a year. Um, and combine it with food, uh, healthy food, and, and keeping farmers in business, local farmers, uh, that's great. That's a win-win-win uh, for the farmers' markets. So, Bob, um, tell us about your, your new venture, Local Food Forum. Uh, let's give them a ding for that. And um, if I could get it away from my mouse here, that would, it would ding even better. No, it's still not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a five alarm uh, newsletter. Yeah, we we've got uh, uh, a little bit of of everything. I can even throw this in, so we'll do that if you want. <laughs> All right, let me go get my drum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, jingle bells. That, 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 that definitely my first rim shot of the year. So good. Oh, Thank okay. You. Well, that deserves another. All right. Uh, <laughs> See, you should not give uh, Peggy and me toys. We do not give us toys. Uh, this let's one talk- says it's tuned to A sharp, by the way. So. Uh, yeah, you told me that. All right. I, I actually like to start in A flat. But uh, uh, Bob, why did you do this? We, we've known you for um, uh, a number of years uh, at Family Farm. We would work together on the Good Food Expo when Family Farm was doing the Good Food Expo, and you were part of that, and uh, we always uh, enjoyed that. And now you're moving on. Um, their mission has changed uh, a little bit, and uh, and that led to uh, local food forum, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it did. Uh, the short version of the story is that for the last Seven years, uh, I've uh, worked uh, with Family Farm, which is a nonprofit that uh, whose uh, uh, ver- vision statement is good food on every table. It's something that I uh, support deeply because uh, issues like food access and food is economic opportunity, food and health. Uh, I've always driven my interest in this area. And so uh, I've worked across uh, the good food community in a lot of different areas. So I figured that, uh, and that when I looked at the landscape, when I was uh, deciding, thinking about what I wanted to do on my own. Um, There really was no publishing platform that was specifically focused on uh, the local food community. Um, You know, and a lot of the individual uh, players in this field have their own newsletters, their own uh, websites, but there was very little interaction. So I decided that uh, this was an opportunity to use the knowledge and the skills and the passion I have for the subject matter um, uh, and, and my 40 years of experience in journalism and uh, try an experiment. Let's see if this will work uh, because uh, there are, grow, as we've been discussing, there are a growing number of people who are really involved uh, and interested in local food. The numbers are growing. And, uh, um, and yet, 
to some extent, their understanding of what goes on behind the scenes, meaning on the farm, at the production line, um, in, 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 the, in the, uh, the kitchens of restaurants, um, is, not, is, is a little superficial. So uh, one of the things I'm doing is a Seasons of Change uh, farmer uh, series. I've recruited some farmers to write stories occasionally across the season so people can get a real feel for what it's like on the farm, uh, what it's like to grow food for the local market. How do you respond to crises, a drought, a flood, um, the, some, mm-hmm. some sort of crop failure, and all that. And then we'll be writing about farm-to-table restaurants, school gardens, community gardens, the whole nine yards. Just very quickly, my background, first of all, I've been a food fanatic since I was a little kid. Since Mother's Day, I'm going to give a shout-out to my late mother because she implanted these values in me and also inspired me to become a, a serious home cook. Um, as an adult... Um, my cooking adventures took me into the uh, good food space very early. I was an early shopper at places like Whole Foods and the farmer's markets in Washington, D.C., where I lived for many years. And then in 2003, I uh, got cancer. I was prostate cancer, so I'm an 18-year survivor now. And um, I committed to use every tool at uh, at my reach to try and increase my odds of, you know, beating this thing and living a good long life. And food was a big part of that. I'm a really strong believer on the food is medicine uh, principle. And so that led me to family farm when I moved here. And now it's led me to local food forum. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I'll, I, you're, you're doing this newsletter pretty every day and sometimes more than once a day, right? Uh, usually uh, once a day, every once in a while, you know, I'll do a, a comment thread or something like that mm-hmm. and, a, and a full issue if there's breaking news and then sometimes we actually get that in the local food yeah. scene. Um, and, and you're uh, you know, also a photographer yeah. yes you're a photographer yeah. I, so I'm that not... gets woven into your newsletters too yeah yeah yes i am i am a serious nature photographer i you know i humbly uh accept the mantle for renaissance man um <laughs> Okay. Just kidding. Uh, I'm not, uh, 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 no, I, 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 I just wanted to say the day a week. Wow. Um, that's, that's, we're, we're now like 10 bells and three rim shots. I mean, that, this may be a record. But um, as, as we far as the daily publishing, you know, and, and, you know, there's a big debate in the publishing community, you know, uh, what is, you know, the right uh, number of times to publish. Right. There is so much going on in this community. There are so many markets to cover. There are so many restaurants to cover. There are so many extraordinary nonprofits and farmers mm-hmm. and everybody to cover. And I'm getting a lot of contributed content. People want to le- read first people, person accounts from the people who are actually doing the stuff. They don't want to just hear, hear me go on. So uh, there's a ton of content that if you try to pack it into one or two days a week, it would be humongous and people would start saying, no, you shouldn't run things so long. So I'm taking a chance that we'll keep things interesting. We're going to write about different things every day. Part of it is pure information, like the Market Monday that I'm going to be doing tomorrow. It's just a list of this week's farmer's markets in the Chicago metro area, day by day, and um, photos of food that's in season. That's you know, a, a nice little handy guide for pe- mm-hmm. for people. And one of the things I'm going to ask you to do, uh, and uh, when we break in a few minutes, uh, you might be able to, to grab it, is get us a list that we can present to folks today about some of the markets that have opened already 
uh, and where they can find them. I know you did one the other day about the markets uh, that are going to open in Chicago, uh, but there are other uh, markets in the area as yeah, um, and uh, and if you can find that information, get that out. Yes, Peggy. I also have a question because it's a term we all use regularly, and you used it a couple of times, Bob, but maybe people who are watching aren't familiar exactly with what you mean by good food. Yeah, um, and, and you know, I'll just take the formulation that we used uh, during my years of Family Farm. It's um, delicious food produced as locally as possible using sustainable, humane, and fair practices. Um, and, you know, different uh, uh, farmers and different uh, food producers meet these uh, parameters at different levels. But we, you know, we're trying to push the food system in a direction that we feel is the right direction. One that uh, uh, provides for stronger local economies by keeping more of the money at home in our region. That um, local food is, first of all, as delicious as it can be. I always call Farmers markets, the starter drug for uh, the good food movement, <laughs> because when you go, everything is picked yesterday. It's pe- picked at the, the peak of ripeness. So, you know, if you've been eating supermarket food, which is good, you know, we urge people to eat more fruit, more vegetables, more uh, healthy meats, you know, uh, uh, and, and plant based uh, foods wherever they get it. But if you're tasting something for the first time that's that fresh, and uh, you've been eating f- supermarket food that's flown in thousands of miles inside in a warehouse for a while, it's an epiphany. I mean, it's just so much more delicious. It maintains its nutrients uh, better. And another big thing about, uh, uh, because people say, oh, well, is it too expensive? Um, it is not too expensive. And food that you buy that's that fresh has much better shelf life. So it lasts longer and you have less spoilage mm-hmm. and less food waste. Then if you look at the sustainable side, we're working with farmers who, who farm organically, sustainably, using regenerative practices. There are so many different categorizations right now, but they're all about building healthy soil, reducing uh, the, the impact of, uh, of carbon, and, uh, and, and containing global warming. Humane, you know, if you're, if you're to me, and I'm an omnivore, I've been eating meat my whole life, but it is a conscious issue. I love animals. And so you want to make sure that the, the, the livestock that are raised to be food are treated as humanely and carefully as they possibly can. You know what they say, that they have one bad day in their life. And, um, and so we are, are pressing for a greater degree of pasture-raised, uh, free-roaming opportunity for the animals. And fair means both fair prices for farmers so they can sustain their uh, their livelihoods and fairness to farm workers who are often neglected in our society especially in the conventional food uh, food arena um and i will uh, go ahead i would no i was going to go to you also how beautifully what you just said speaks to my newest venture which is the uptown farmers market which is produced by the food co-op chicago market which Mm -hmm. has a series of purchasing values that guide my curatorial work, which are almost identical to everything that you just stated. They are in this order, delicious, transparent, sustainable, local, and socially responsible. So uh, you have perfectly encapsulated the work that I do in all of my (laughs) markets and beautifully articulated by Chicago Market that took this leap into the wonderful world of farmer's markets with me. 
Well, while, while mm-hmm. we've got you, and we've got just a couple of minutes before we break here, Elsa, how is it that you got so involved in farmer's market? It sort of comes to you uh, from your your mom as well. I agree, just like Bob cited his mother. This is perfect that we're doing it on Mother's Day. My mother actually worked for Henry Brockman of Henry's Farm, which oh. you can see beautifully on display every week at the Evanston Farmer's Market, which is my homegirl market. And I'm so happy that Bob covered it. It's a beautiful, very urban, large, wonderful array of vendors and extraordinary customers that support the work that they do or they would not be that scale. So my mm-hmm. mother worked for him. It's in my, my bloodstream. I couldn't help myself. I managed three markets for the city back in the late 90s. And it has come full circle that I have now worked for all of them again in this more current era of farmer's markets. And so, yeah, everybody comes to you, huh, and says, manage our market, please. (laughs) Okay, Elsa needs the dings, too. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's extraordinary. I think I feel my job is to be of service to the vendors, and um, I think they feel it hierarchically. I am here to support the work that they do. And while some people think that they're in charge of a market, I think that I'm really here to take care of them and to make sure they have the best possible experience Mm -hmm. at every market that I manage and they vend at. Well, when we come back, uh, I'd like to know what that means, what that entails, uh, uh, managing uh, a market. Uh, you don't have to uh, uh, dig up dirt for me, uh, but uh, <laughs> some of the basics. But I bet you got stories to tell, Elsa, uh, from uh, having done this a lot. Um, you bet I do, and some will some will keep under the rug, and some I. Have <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, uh, when we come back, then we'll, we'll hear some stories about managing a farmers market. We'll get a sense of. Which ones are out there now? We'll see some photos because Bob's been uh, uh, making the rounds already. I mean, here we are. It's only the 9th of May, um, <laughs> and uh, he's he's been out and about. So, uh, and, that- and, and we have a comment that came through from Snappy J. Dog. She wants all the dish, Elsa. I brought a pop. Ah, a tomato. I love it. Visual aids as well. But but you didn't get it quite right, Peggy. Uh, Snappy J Dog wrote, "OMG dish." So uh, she uh, she really I wants. <laughs> uh, it's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be back talking farmers markets right after this. You can help slow climate change in 2021 by composting. And you don't even need a backyard. By composting communally in multi-unit buildings across Chicagoland, Collective Resource Compost has diverted 7,000 tons of food scraps since 2010. CRC brings you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter, they swap it out, and get it to a commercial composting operation. Fight climate change. Go to collectiveresource.us. From small boat fishermen 
to your dinner table with safe, free, no-contact delivery. Sitka Salmon Shares brings premium wild Alaska seafood to your door. They're a community-supported fishery offering shares just like your local CSA. All fish is wild caught in season with respect for the limits of the ocean. Line caught and traceable to their fleet. Use promo code NOVAK25 for $25 off the first month of a share. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com slash N-O-W-A-K. You know, deer are a common problem in many landscapes, and they can have a devastating effect. They forage and browse on a wide range of trees and shrubs, and you know, they can eat up to six pounds of plant material each day. Well, the result, those flowers that you've been waiting so patiently for can be gone in a matter of one single day. And once the deer have established themselves in your landscape, you can look forward to lush green hedges being defoliated right down to the sticks, buck rubbing the bark off of trees with their antlers, and worst of all, ticks. More deer in your landscape mean more ticks that carry Lyme disease and other viruses. Unfortunately, deer adapt to home remedies pretty quickly, and deer fencing can be effective, but it can also take away from the visual appeal of your landscape. The most practical approach to deer management is a repellent program, customized to the amount of deer pressure you're experiencing, the time of year, and your personal preferences. Bartlett Tree Experts uses several different products, all tested at the grounds of our research laboratory to ensure effectiveness. So, feel free to take down the home remedies and let us handle your deer management needs. Whether you're a farmer or a backyard gardener, assist your soil in providing key nutrients to your plants with Spectrum Soil Inoculum from Tinyo Biologicals. The beneficial microorganisms in Spectrum break down and release vital nutrients and make them more accessible to your plants. Spectrum works with nature to decompose organic matter into humus, building richer, healthier soil. Spectrum is approved for use on certified organic crops and is OMRI listed. Get Spectrum at blazing-star.com. And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we are talking farmers markets, and um, I'm happy to say I'm looking at some of the comments coming in. A lot of people are giving shout-outs to their favorite farmers markets. Um, um, the uh, give, give preview, Mike. What? Give us a preview of what you're seeing. Yeah, I, I wanted to to let you know. Um, let's see. Um, Nancy Bender wrote, the Winter Logan Square Market was fantastic. Uh, thanks for having it, although they're, they're having uh, the rain uh, at the outdoor today. But also, uh, Linda gives a shout-out to Woodstock Farmer's Market. Uh, Snappy J. Dog, uh, who we just heard from. Oak Park, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy- Followed with a woot-woot. Woot woot. <laughs> and Nancy Bender wrote Evanston, which started on the first. And if it wasn't raining this morning, I would have gone to Logan's Logan Square. Um, uh, I might go over there anyway because I'm I'm very close yeah. by. That's my market. Uh, and uh, so wherever you are in the country, give us a shout out for your favorite farmers market, and we'll give them uh, a quick uh, shout out here. Also wanted to say, and I, this I'm very happy about this. Uh, Tina Lulu. Uh, who's uh, a regular, and uh, and I think she's uh, 
I don't know if she's in our area. I think she might be somewhere else in the... Let us know where you're from, Tina Lulu. I, I forget where, where you hail from there. She said, I'm an RN and started my career in communicable diseases. Mike is 100% correct. I like hearing that, okay? That's uh, something I don't get very often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. uh, about the uh, transmissibility of uh, of uh, COVID-19. So thank you, Tina Lulu, for uh, for saying that. Really, really appreciate it. <clears throat> Matt just checked in. He likes the Park Ridge Market. Um, so, and there are, there, you know, it's, um, as we mentioned before, it, it, it seems as though the pandemic is going to change things at farmers markets for the good. And I hope it's, this is not a temporary bump that is something that, that sticks with us. Um, but um, uh, so it's time, Elsa, for you to dish just a little bit about running a farmer's market. What, what does that mean when somebody says you need to run a farmer's market? You can go into some of them, the more mundane and arcane things if you want, but I'm kind of curious. I think I'll hearken back to something I used to do, which is I ran a uh, touring modern dance company, very prominent, where our choreographer, which was Merce Cunningham, said uh, running a dance company was a cross between running an insane asylum and a kindergarten. And I think that running a market is exactly the same thing. We're building a community. We're running a business. We're supporting both long-term vendors and brand new vendors. Um, We are trying to support what the public wants. We are encouraging the public to support the vendors. Um, We are building an audience. We are, and I think this is very important about something that you said earlier, and particularly with Bob's initiative, we are educating the public, and I feel very strongly mm-hmm. that we have an educative mission in all of this. So um, integrity is important. I am curating. I am asking questions before I bring on vendors. I am uh, defending choices. Sometimes people say, uh, you know, what if they don't come back next year? Well, you know, they won't come back next year if we don't support them this year. So sometimes people realize this isn't what they wanted to do. Other times I have a vendor who is brand new last year who has already sprouted a retail business in Lincoln Park and is about to sprout a second one. Um, nice. So, you know, it, I think it's a success story either way. It's a success if you try something and you realize this really isn't your life's calling and you're still going to understand it and support it. It's a success if it goes on to build a bigger business. Um, we are supporting businesses. Um, Uptown, for example, gives me an extraordinary opportunity because it's in support of Chicago Market, which will be hopefully everybody's new favorite store to shop for food, that we're also exploring the culture of Uptown. So all of the diverse uh, opportunities that we have for vendors doing things that may not fall strictly within the purview of X number of miles, but are culturally appropriate for some of the vendors that we're choosing. So I think each market has its own very definitive personality. And in fact, at Lincoln Square, Tuesday and Thursday have their own definitive personality. Thursday used to be much more in service to the concerts on the square that happened. Of course, we don't have concerts now, but I think they still reflect an evening kind of activity. And the morning, we have a lot more families coming through Um, babies and strollers. We are, of course, dog and child friendly at all of my markets. So we have um, happy consumers thrilled to be outside in what you've now accurately described, I also believe, as a safer environment for people. 
Have you had uh, any problems w- with that over the past year? In uh, you're, you're nodding. So, what what were some of the issues you had to deal with? I think that any market manager would tell you th- how beaten up they are over the mask policy. Um, I manage very strictly, both in terms of it being a business and now in terms of COVID protocol. Um, and we are, I think, blessed that we are much stricter this year. No mask, no admission, period, end of subject. Um, it is going to be much harder th- this year to manage that because people want to be done and they're getting conflicting messages about what Joe Biden said and what the CDC said. But you are in a crowd. It is not a public space. It's a permitted space. And um, I would tell you I'm, I'm getting the same kind of kickback harder than last year. However, every time I kick someone out or I inform someone that they cannot eat, they must have their nose covered, they must have their mouth covered, they can't take their mask off to smell anything, I get a resounding thumbs up from other folks who want to feel safe. And I am proud to say that we regularly get feedback in person and online that they come to these markets because they feel safer than going to the grocery store. So I think it's it's worth all of the effort we put in, but boy, oh boy, are we beaten up over the mask policy. Wow. Um, I'm telling you, folks, go to my blog, uh, go to the very first paragraph, and uh, I wrote, we are, we are still learning how the virus is spread, and click on that link that is right there, and it'll take you to that uh, New York Times article and if you want to understand more fully about and or maybe just get uh tina lulu to come to your place and explain uh how this works but you're right elsa we still have to be careful we've got variants we 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 do not have we're not going to get our herd uh immunity it looks like uh in this country because we're frankly too dumb to uh to get to that point but what can you do um but but Look at our markets. You, we encourage seniors. <laughs> we have weight issues everywhere across America. Those are the two biggest risk factors that have stayed with us for 15 months. And we want to keep people safe. How much trouble is it to put a mask on your face and respect everyone's health and safety while you purchase the food that's going to, as Bob has clearly pointed out, the food that also helps to enhance your health and wellness? It doesn't take yeah, much. You know, uh, Go ahead, yeah, Bob. Last, last, year, last year, the market was like a safety zone for me. That's why I felt mm-hmm. so comfortable going there and getting that human connection and meeting friends because, you know, I'd walk by the lakefront. I live right by uh, Lake Michigan, and there are a bunch of people without masks, and this is at the height of the pandemic. And, you know, you just felt uncomfortable. You felt like you were walking extra miles avoiding people. And uh, the market, by holding to the uh, strict uh, safety standards, I knew it was okay. You know, that, that there was going to be socially distanced, masked people, people cooperating. I actually mm-hmm. never saw an incident at Green City Market, which is where I shopped, uh, you know, almost all the time last summer. But there probably weren't. I mean, I wasn't there five hours a day. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the people who shop at farmer's markets, a lot of them are there because they want to live a yeah. healthier life. So why would you take and, the risk? And the Illinois Farmer's Market Association does have guidelines that have come off for all the markets. There's a, a farmer's market toolkit. So it, theoretically, all the markets are following the policies, you know, as far as people going to a market. Well, is this one doing, is that one doing it? There's a policy in the state and that's voluntary, but. Stricter guideline from the city of Chicago 
under which we are permitted and required to function. Mm -hmm. And some of us are perhaps a bit stricter than others, but I think it also garners the kind of positive feedback we're looking for from folks. Lincoln Square is run by the Lincoln Square Ravenswood Chamber, and they regularly shared with me the kinds of feedback we were getting from people who felt it was the safest place that they Mm -hmm. had been, which Mm -hmm. is great considering some of the kickback that we're getting from folks. And we're going full speed ahead with the same safety protocols this year. Yeah, and you can find, you can get a link to the Illinois Farmers Market Association and their protocols uh, on my blog post because I I added that as well. Uh, Let's take a look at some of these photos, Bob, that... uh, uh, that you uh, have taken in the last couple of weeks. And um, this was uh, yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh, downtown Evanston Farmer's Market. And you can see the long line. And that's actually a line of people who are there to get crepes from Gotta Be Crepes. Gotta Be Crepes is our old friends of mine because they were a, a participant in uh, Family Farms Good Food Accelerator program. So you can mm-hmm. see people are out there. It's not ambient weather, but they're bundled up. And they're having a great time, and they're uh, buying all this uh, beautiful food. You know, one one thing I wanted to add, Mike, because you got all this wonderful feedback from people from farmers markets you won't see here. Important, mm-hmm. a lot of times they're not open. I, I want to publish. I can't be everywhere, and I want to publish photographs of as many farmers markets as I can. So, if you go to one of your favorite farmers markets, send a photo or photos to Bob at localfoodforum.com and I will publish a selection every Sunday is just like this it's a it's a uh, photo essay about what went on at the markets uh, the, the previous week and uh, Debbie wrote to us love the Beverly Farmers Market just came home with some fresh asparagus mm-hmm. bread and herb plants so there's another yep. shout out there uh, this is a, a, a terrific photo and and I saw somebody commented on that when you posted that in in your uh, uh, in your newsletter yeah, um, I love doing these still lives with my market halls every week, um, and uh, it just shows not only, I mean, that's a counter full of health there. I mean, it's all really <laughs> healthy food, but it, but food is also beautiful. Look at those colors, and, you know, in terms of the health consequences, you know, we, they, we always say eat the rainbow. All the colors of those plants that make them so beautiful represent different phytonutrients that help uh, keep us all healthy. They all have different minerals and uh, 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 components that uh, that really add to our health. So just be, so what, what are we looking at there? What are we looking at? We're there, looking Bob? at r- ramps, um, uh, and that's asparagus. Asparagus. I, I live for asparagus. Asparagus means <laughs> spring. Uh, oh, yeah. In the background, a little bit uh, covered up by uh, plastic is uh, spinach. Um, these tomatoes, and um, I'll, I'll hold one up on the back on the screen. Uh, these tomatoes are the real revelation I've had so far this season. Hothouse heirloom tomatoes, they've been in the markets for a few years, but I said, well, they're grown in a hothouse. How, how good could they be? Um, these are for Nichols Farm and Orchard in Marengo, which you see everywhere. And they, they, they're in so many different farmers markets. They're the biggest diversified farm in, uh, in our region. And they are amazing. They are, they're not even close to field tomatoes. They taste like field tomatoes. They wow. have the field, they're, they're juicy, they're big. You know, this is a, this is a huge shout out to, to Nichols. So hi, Nichols. But other farmers are doing this as well. I know that. <laughs> I know that I, well, I know that Iron Creek Farm from Indiana also has an air drum. Yes, I think it's worth adding this. This photo so encapsulates what I was sharing about 
the support of both old and new vendors. Nichols is, mm -hmm. is so much, along with some other farmers, the father of this current market incarnation. And then you have right in the very front of that photo, a shot of Dilly Dally Provisions uh, pickled mm -hmm. goods. And they are also mm -hmm. doing markets with me and they're brand new and they are a pandemic pivot. So that range of business model that we're seeing is perfectly shown in that photo. Uh, and Bob, do you want to yeah, do your and, show and tell here with the, did you, you, you had a tomato yeah, there? Oh, that yeah. you... Here we go. This yeah. is this is what this is beautiful. Yeah, it this is. looks like. Oh, and, I'm, and, I'm sorry, having problems. And there was some. There's some fettuccine in there. So what's for dinner, Bob? With all of that. Uh, 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 well, I do make my own sauce when I get good tomatoes like this. So uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, and the and the fettuccine is from Pasta Pepone, and uh, they're uh, a suburban uh, producer that makes uh, pastas with different uh, ingredients like lemon, mushrooms, tomato, basil, like that fettuccine. And they're also mm -hmm. graduates of Family Farms uh, Good Food Accelerator. So I've known these folks for a while too. So you see, it's, it's a real mix of fresh uh, produce, fresh, well, frozen meats in their area, but they're fresh frozen meats. Um, a lot of baked goods. And then you have these value-added producers that are making these absolutely delicious pro products. Most, most of them are making them from local ingredients. So they're, uh, they're basically collaborating with the local farms to produce these, uh, these All things. All right, let's whip and through. Oh, oh go yeah. ahead, Bob. Yeah. Are you gonna say no, no, you go ahead, Mike. Okay, I well, I was want to bring some more photos in here. Now, I, I have to have, I have a confession. I have, I don't think I've ever eaten ramps. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know the funny Mike, thing, Mike. Uh, Elsa, what? I said we have to fix that. Um, there's we so do delicious. have to fix that. It's so short, and um, I'm sure if you wander over to Logan today that there will be multiple purveyors for the blink of an eye with these, and when they're gone, they're gone. But can I add the tip that they pickle beautifully? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I pickled yeah. some last year, yeah. Yeah, they're a wild forage crop. Uh, they are the first thing in any of our markets every year because they kind of pop up out of the ground on their own in early April. And um, they're a member of the Allium family. They're, sort of, they're a wild onion. But the best thing to uh, know about ramps is Chicago is named for this beautiful little plant. These things used to grow wild, like wildfire back in the days when this was American Indian country. And uh, the, the American Indian name, I think, is Chicago. Um, there are different interpretations of it. It some people say historians say it means wild onion, and some people say it means stinky onion. And <laughs> I gotta admit, as much as I love Chicago, the idea of living onion USA has a lot of appeal to me. So I'm, I'm going with stinky onion. <laughs> I, I am too. I think stinky onion is 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 what we have to go by now. And and the other thing is, you can see it says uh, uh, sustainable forage, yeah. and and that's the idea is that uh, uh, ramps. Uh, are, are a delicacy and people will, uh, you know, they'll, they'll go into public uh, lands and start harvesting them. And that's no, a no, don't that's, do that. That's a big no, no. That is, that is a no, no. And, uh, you know, a lot of farms uh, have found these and especially the ones that have woodlots have found these on their property. I mean, the interesting thing is a few years ago, uh, you know, I moved to Chicago 10 years ago. When I first started getting involved in this, you know, farmers would have expeditions downstate to go to, you know, legitimate places where they could uh, hunt for these things and, and pull them up. And so they really were a delicacy. I mean, like, what the heck is a ramp? 
Um, now they're kind of all over the place. Uh, the, the farmers and, the, and then the foragers are finding, uh, you know, the, the, the places that these things grow and where they're allowed to harvest them. And now you can find them very readily in the, in the markets and even online in April before the markets open, uh, yeah. uh, whereas a few years ago you couldn't. Okay. And let's... isn't this a great point about the educative mission of markets, Mike, since you yourself have not tried ramps, and I hope this tempts you to dive right in. I'll have to look up a recipe first and see what uh, I'm getting myself into. But, yeah, I've tried stuff, uh, and I guess I have to try some ramps. Uh, here's one thing that uh, mm. they're beautiful. It's a shame they're so beautiful because I, <laughs> I'm i not a fan of radishes, really. Um, so, so here I am. I'm talking about food, uh, food markets so and, and farmers stir markets. Stir-fry the greens. Stir-fry the greens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Peggy, Peggy, excellent point there because, you know, when you're looking to extend your food budget, when you shop at a farmer's market, if you can get root vegetables, beets, radishes, turnips, carrots with their greens on, they're not only edible, they're delicious and they're extremely packed with nutrients. Mm -hmm. So you oh, yeah. get a lot more value from your purchase if you use, uh, use those greens. Uh, Mike, um, I think radishes may be one of those local food uh, game changers because you know I ate radishes. We had them all my life too, and they were okay. They were kind of peppery and weird and right. stuff like that. The radishes you get in these old these these are from Frillman Farms, which is uh, they have one farm that uh, where they started in the northwest suburbs of um, Chicago, and now they have a farm in uh, Illinois. And Tim Frillman is the farmer. His brother Joe runs a restaurant Daisies in Logan Square, and uh, last year because it was so hard to get customers uh, into a restaurant, they kind of turned daisies into an impromptu farmer's market. They were selling Tim's produce and some other uh, local produce producers. But you can see the beauties is the gigantic. And, I, and you know, I also got uh, something called Hakurai turnips from them. They're white turnips also mm -hmm. with greens. And they are so mm -hmm. sweet. You can eat them raw, which you can't say about turnips, most turnips. Yeah. And Nancy, you know, Nan Nancy wrote to us, said, saute the cut radishes in butter. So that's yeah. her. Oh, yeah. Her, yeah. Or, or, roast, or roast them. You know, when you roast yeah. uh, vegetables or you saute them, it mm -hmm. uh, uh, concentrates the sugars and it make, and mm -hmm. makes them much sweeter. So that could offset kind of the uh, peppery yeah. in this. This time of year. Even raw, a little spring, bit of salt. Yeah. Spring onions butter. everywhere. Yeah. Um, you will see spring onions everywhere and green garlic at this mm -hmm. time of year, which becomes garlic scapes. <clears throat> and, yeah. you know, right now you're seeing your, the, the spring onions that we're all familiar with, basically scallions. But pretty soon you'll see all different varieties, including tropea, which uh, I'm going to have to write about when it uh, hits, hits the market. It's a red uh, spring onion. And um, mm -hmm. because it's of Italian origin, I call it the Italian scallion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh bob uh you get another one thank you very much <laughs> you, see, you see food is entertaining people i mean come on it really is and uh, uh the caffeine is kicking in bob yeah and, and snappy j dog wrote pickle your radishes and i think she's oh, speak, yeah she's speaking yeah. in code but uh no, I no. pickled I radishes are excellent <laughs> oh okay all right my, my my radishes are well pickled yes yes exactly um, um and this is rhubarb, rhubarb. another uh, one of the uh, mm. one of the uh, most heavily desired early um uh, vegetables rhubarb is a vegetable but we kind of can think of it in the context of fruit because it's very tart and it complements very sweet fruits in baked goods. So, for instance, 
the world will be awash in strawberry rhubarb pie as soon as the strawberries hit the market in a couple of weeks. Strawberries are also an early plant. Yeah. So, um, so you know, if you like really tart food, and I do, I, I have a high tolerance for sour. Uh, you might just eat it on its own, and you can eat it ro- roasted. It's also something that a lot of people pickle. But then, when you mm-hmm. uh, when when uh, the uh, the fresh fruit come in. Um, you know, I try and use little sugar, so you really want the sweetest fruit possible, which is another good reason to shop local because it's picked yesterday and it's going to be as as uh, as fresh as it's going to be. And th- again, this is the season for greens. You got your Swiss chard, you got your bok choy, you got your kale there. Um, mm-hmm. Spinach. I got some gorgeous spinach at um, uh, the nickel stand with those tomatoes yesterday. And another thing about um, uh, early season greens especially things like spinach, they're, they're called overwintered. And they actually yeah. not only survive, but they thrive in colder weather. The same thing is about kale. And they're, they're sweeter. They are sweeter because that cold, warm, freeze-thaw process, again, concentrates the sugars. And so they're much sweeter than you get during the summer growing season. Yeah. And uh... you might find, because I know that Jacobson Family Farms, has they do Green mm-hmm. City plus my both of my Lincoln squares and they did Logan winter they have some overwintered roots that are equal to the sweetness you've just described in the green carrots and parsnips the baby size and they're fantastic Mm -hmm. and uh speaking of uh Lincoln square market uh this is a a view Elsa uh that uh from from the L it's gorgeous thank you yeah. You could literally you you walk down the stairs and you're in the market. I mean, it's it, it it's that close and that convenience is is a real factor, especially for people who want to. You know, I, I should come up with some kind of passport where you win a prize at the end of the year for visiting the most markets. But uh, I mean, when it's that convenient, just right off the brown line, and and the stores in the background you can see are the base of the Lincoln Square shopping area. So, you know, it's, it's a fun place to go. You get your wonderful local food, then you can go and uh, visit some other places. Ah, oh, my asparagus. <laughs> this is uh, at the, I, the Lincoln Square Market. This is uh, yes. And boy, have they got gorgeous asparagus. They have purple and green. Wow. And the, everyone is saying the purple is sweeter. So if you're thinking, gosh, I've never tried purple asparagus, I would dive right in before this all disappears. We're going to blink and asparagus will be gone and we'll be on to something else. And and who was yeah. this again, uh, Elsa? That's McClug. Um, you know, McClug another, like okay. Eagles, another of the farmers who took some risks and have led the way. And we would not be here today without those folks. Um, I always yeah. say that McClug is perfect. Well, here's perfect in a newer incarnation. Um, yeah. Urban Canopy yeah. came with beef radishes and potatoes uh, from their in-city gardening. And they also mm-hmm. carry uh, River Valley mushrooms. So that mm-hmm. um, is a lovely business partnership between them. And it gives me mushrooms when I don't have River Valley themselves at my market. I do have them live at uh, Uptown. And then I have Urban Canopy at my other three markets. And I have to get through these last couple of photographs because we're almost out of time here. And, of course, this is uh, the Uptown uh, farmer's market uh, at uh, the uh, 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 Chicago inter- Market. Right, Chicago Market, uh, Wilson and, and Broadway. Wilson yeah, no. what's the name of the building again? I'm forgetting the name of the building. The Gerber. It's the Gerber yes. building. It used to 
be the Wilson station. And then it is now happily leased to Chicago market to become a food co-op. And here are some beautiful photos. That's flower bakery. Um, I'm not sure what's coming next. But oh no, that's, I, that, that's it. I'm sort of, uh, that's, oh. uh, I, uh, I have gotten to, uh, the, uh, the end of the line here and I'm trying to get back to, uh, we can get us up here. So let's, there we go. Woo. Yeah, right. Mike, Mike, I know, I, I know, I know we're rounding out the hour here. So, uh, you know, because of this, uh, this sorry weather today, remember there's always another Sunday. Logan Square will be back in business next weekend and the Wicker Park Farmers Market will be opening next Sunday too. And they're both right on the blue line. So in the spirit of uh, uh, Ernie Banks, you know, let's play two next weekend. You can hit both Wicker Park and Logan Square and the advanced weather forecast is beautiful. Uh, it sounds good to me. Uh, listen, you guys, uh, Bob Benenson, uh, Elsa M. Jacobson, thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. And a uh, little inside baseball, speaking of baseball, um, you guys stepped up. Uh, we had a change in schedule due to um, a family emergency for one of our guests. And I so appreciate the fact that you guys were so flexible and willing to do this with us. Such a pleasure, uh, we, Mike. Uh, you. All the work you do. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, you, you can see I love to talk, and I love to especially talk about this. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have a feeling, Bob, you're going to be back and uh, do some regular reports <laughs> mm-hmm. for us. So you uh, keep tabs on everything. And Elsa, good luck uh, this year with uh, running everything. Um, you are the, uh, the uh, farmer's market boss. Uh, I'm in service to them for sure. And really, without folks like you, um, pushing on the other end. This is what brings us our customers. So thank you, thank you, thank you to the three of you. Elsa our- is awesome. <laughs> you guys are both awesome all right thanks a lot it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki we've got more coming up stick around you know summertime can mean a lot of fun for us especially if we have access to swimming pools air conditioning or ice cold drinks but for others it could be a real struggle especially if you can't take shelter or go get a glass of water because you're well, rooted. Lack of moisture is the most common cause of stress in a landscape, one that is particularly difficult on trees that are very young or very old. It could take months or even years for a tree to fully recover from drought conditions, and that's if it recovers at all. If the leaves or needles on your tree are wilting, discolored, or perhaps even falling off, they could be affected by drought conditions. If this stress is allowed to persist, This tree could be attacked by boring insects or even fall prey to stem and root disease. Sounds awful, right? But what can be done? I mean, you can't control the weather. Not to worry, because we can provide your trees with some much needed relief. We can give you guidance on mulching and irrigation. We can monitor your trees for boring insects, bark beetles, diseases, and other common problems that typically impact stressed trees. And upon the return of favorable conditions, Fertilizing and pruning can go a long way to help your trees rebound and endure drought conditions. You know, Kermit, by recycling, we save valuable landfill space and help clean up the environment. You know, what are you recycling here anyhow, Fozzie? Bottles, cans, paper, and snoo. Snoo? What snoo? Nothing. What's snoo with you? Ah! Ah! To find out how you can help clean up the environment, 
Write to Make a Difference, National Wildlife Federation, Washington, D.C., 20036. Even that snoo joke was recycled. Ah! Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a sips-on of humor. Or is that a dash? Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me music, porches, lawn Give me all that I can And welcome eat. back. I had I had another screen set up, and I realized that uh, it's got two pictures of me on it, and that's not good. I, did, I, don't, I don't want. What's new? What's new? Isn't that great? I'll go watch the birds out the window. There's a sparrow I, sitting. There I'm I'm looking at the the. Uh, Okay. Yeah, there, you've had some really interesting birds in your yard lately. Yeah. Um, as the show's been on this morning, I've had a couple grosbeaks come and go. There's been a couple orioles hopping around, several different kinds of sparrows. No indigo buntings today, though. I had those two days ago. Well, la-dee-da, the indigo buntings. But uh, I, one of the things I've been doing is... Uh, Can is, you tell we have no second-hour guest? Uh, hey, come on. <laughs> Come on! Don't give stuff away. Don't don't do that. Uh, we do. We have Rick coming up. That's right. Um, and then I, I mean, I could go this and have us go. Wow! Look at that! Look at that! Whoa. It doesn't. Um, and tilt yeah. back. Yeah. There we go. I'll probably go back to the other one. Uh, that probably works better. Um, what, what I've been doing lately is uh, uh, going uh, on the used tubes and finding old used the used tubes and. Uh, finding old uh PSAs for the environment that's where we found the the Kermit in uh <laughs> Fozzie that, yeah I, I, I saw that was that. hilarious there's no website there's there's no website on there it's oh, right it probably to. doesn't exist anymore yeah I mean yeah. that that's that that's things probably 30 40 years old who knows how old that thing is um but there's some great ones out there so I think every now and then I'm just going to pop in a classic um, mm-hmm. uh, get it in there and just uh, so send us your links, folks. If there's classic YouTube videos that 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 you need, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go. I tell you what, I'm gonna show. Um, oh, da, 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 da. Yeah, you should take the controls away from me. Really, it's I, not. Is, now, is that uh, Casey Tomato hiding his JG? Um, his what? Is that you out there, Casey? What do you mean hiding it? So we just wrote Casey Tomato. Oh, really? Okay. Up there. That so, might be KC hiding under a different name. Uh, one of the things we said we were going to talk about, because it was so cool this past week, Kathleen and I got to go to Montrose Beach and see Monty. We visited Monty and Rose. I mean, that was just oh, so much fun. I know. It was so much fun. Um, and my thanks to Leslie Bournes, who's a steward there, and she's just doing remarkable work, and so is Bob Dolgan, uh, who's been on the show. Uh, Leslie, you're not going to get her on, on a program like this. She's yeah. she's going to defer every single time. Um, but Bob, uh, you know, is a filmmaker and, and made the film Monty and Rose, and he's doing Monty and Rose too. And uh, it, uh, we met them on uh, Wednesday, and it was a day like kind of like yesterday, sort of a little bit windy, cool, mm-hmm. but bright, sunny. I don't think there was a cloud in the sky. 
Um, and um, so we get there, and, and, and we talk to Leslie for a little bit, and then Bob showed up. And what happens is people, they come by, <coughs> excuse me, and they're saying, so what have you seen today? And so the birders talk to each other. Okay, what's, what's been seeing there? there and the, Yeah, because it's and, almost the height of migration right now. So Right, and so there are different birds that people have been noting. And, and of course, there's that. I should have, I did take another photo, and I should have uh, popped that up. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll, I'll do it real quickly while yeah. we're watching the, the, the video. Uh, but you can see the area that's been marked off by uh, the park district. Um, and they added 3.1 acres to the natural area. Uh, but the rumor was when we got there that Monty and Rose were outside. They had been seen outside of the saying, Hey, you guys, you're supposed to stay inside. Well, plovers don't care. Um, they just go wherever they want. And there was very, there were very Mm -hmm. few people on the beach because it was cool, uh, and windy. And, you know, some people came out. Uh, so we walk over to the beach side outside of the area and of course uh that's where we find monty and rose now i didn't find him um uh we were walking that way and then uh, bob came over and joined us and he said um there they are and i said what um and you know starstruck all of a sudden yeah, exactly we got our i have a monocular i didn't bring i couldn't find the binoculars but i have a monocular which is really kind of very cool instrument and we were able to watch them and you know everybody's got Long lens cameras, all the you know, photography. and there were Scopes, not, and there were not, yeah. not a lot of people. But Bob had his camera out, um, and other folks did as well. There were maybe three or four photographers I saw out there during mm-hmm. the course of uh, an hour, a little over an hour. Uh, and so I'm going to show you this um, video that I took, and I did it with my uh, Android. Uh, so it's it's not a close up by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, uh, it is, uh, you, you, will see, but that's for the average person who comes out to Montrose beach and they're watching, unless they've got their binoculars and they know where to look. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't have them they're this is kind of the view you're going to get because we were not going to get very close to the birds. You know, we're maintaining a distance, I don't know, 50 yards, uh, something like that. We, we gave them plenty of room and there was Leslie and she was Leslie and Bob, they greet people mm-hmm. and say, uh, by the way, those are piping plovers over there, and you have to kind of keep your distance. Uh, and because yeah. a lot of people come, they don't have any idea. They, you know, they bring in their dogs and they, they're walking with the family and they just don't know that the birds are out there and the birds don't seem to care either. Uh, so let's, <laughs> let's take a look at this and, and you'll see what, uh, what I'm talking about. All right, folks, that's Monty and Rose over there, not the gull, but I'm using the gull as a marker. Which one is the sandpiper? Okay. Okay, uh, and that's and that's it. I mean, there they were, mm-hmm. those tiny little birds there. I so um, uh, it, it was just so cool, though, 
to have them there. Um, should should I show that one? It goes by so fast. Should I show it one more time? Do you think, or just leave? Well, what, what? it's up to you. Um, but it'll give me a chance to sort of load in that other photo that I ah. wanted to put in there. So yeah, one more time, just a, a reprise. Okay. Here we go. Whoops. It would help if, uh, here we go. All right, folks, that's Marty and Rose over there, not the gull. But I'm using the gull as a marker. Which one is the sandpiper? Okay. I think that's what I just saw. Does the sandpiper look like a smaller, skinnier gull? Um, no. Well, they do you see, uh... Okay. Let's uh, get yeah. back. Yeah. Sandpipers are fun, too. The way they, they run back and forth so fast on their little legs. And... Well, I'll tell you, the the piping plovers do that, too. They go by yep. uh, pretty fast. Do, that, do, 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 do. Yep. Yeah, the, you, you can't keep up with them. It's 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 just so, so interesting. Okay, and I have that photo here. Let me pop this image on. Uh, there we go. Let's go here. And, and uh, Montrose is... is one of the top birding spots in Chicago, actually probably one of the top birding spots in the country for migration because just of where it's located right on the lake, everything stops there. Right. And uh, here's the, okay, where's my, let's get us Oop. out of here. And there you can see there's the, the fencing there uh, and the area where they've fenced it off. It, it doesn't give you a whole lot of information in this photo, but uh, they've got the signs. So people have to be careful when, when they go there. So um, it's, I don't know. It was just really fun. It yeah. was. Uh, you uh, got a, to see them. I got to see them. I, I didn't think I would ever actually see them in person. Uh, but I, I begged Bob. I said, you got, you got to take me out there, dude. <laughs> you got to do that. So, so, yeah. Well, there's, there's been other birding news this week too. And I think okay. I shared the article with you at um, Labau Woods, which we were out for one year for the International Migratory Bird Day. Right. Um, when it, there did has, we miss that? Or is it coming up? It, it's, uh, I think it's, it's either this Saturday or this past Saturday because I'm mentally blanking it out. Okay. Um, bird count was, all the bird counts were yesterday. <laughs> Spring bird count was yesterday. Um, at got, by the way, by the way, I just got to tell you, we got a question here online. Is the dock open yet? Who cares about the dock? It's Marty and Rose. <laughs> <laughs> who cares i don't want the dock to open it's like there'd be too many people we got money and truck yeah they're trying to make a nest i said i said to bob i said well what if they make a nest here uh out in, in the open area away from the natural area and he said i sure hope they don't because <laughs> they'll have to fence it off and, and keep people yeah. away from it yeah yeah it's right in front of the dock um out at labau which is on the northwest side on the river uh it's, which is another huge birding area. They have spotted for three or four days this week a broad-billed hummingbird. Um, the birds, it, people have been coming far and wide to see this. It's way off course. It belongs in the southwest. And it's just been another famous bird 
in the area, almost kind of topping Monty and Rose this year. Isn't and they figure the bird is, yeah, the, something's wrong with the bird's migration. Yeah, the, the, it's just that it's southwest breezes brought it up here, and it's been feeding on Ohio buckeye. And uh, wow, happy as can be. There's so many photos. It even made the Tribune um, on Wednesday. Uh, it's only the third rare hummingbird stop in the Bow Woods is a once-in-a-lifetime site for Chicago birders. It is only the third spotting of the bird in Illinois. Wow, um, over ever? the years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it normally generally found summering in Mexico, along with areas in southern Arizona and New Mexico. How it ended up flitting between trees more than 1,500 miles from its usual grounds is a bit of a mystery. Birders believe its navigation system is broken and it had some bad luck with strong winds. Um, huh. But Jeff Scretney's been posting it regularly on his uh, Birding in Labau Woods group and his Facebook page and Chicago Audubon, Chicago Ornithological Society have been buzzing about it lately. That that is see, and it amazes me that somebody spots it, and then somebody else is able, or well, somebody who spots it says, "Oh, that's a, you know, it's a blah blah." What what kind of hummingbird is that? Um, broad-billed hummingbird. Broad-billed. It's a little green bird with a big red bill. Uh huh, and and then everybody gets out there and and they confirm. A lot it. of people have seen it. Yeah. What was it? Uh, I, I I saw. Don't some... know that it's still there. Yeah. Um, by the way, I've got one more photo that I got here that I managed to just uh, put up from one, uh, from Monty and Rose, and you can see, and I'll get us out of the picture here, um, and you can see the uh, area that they've carved out there. It's uh, it's all uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Jeff Scretney wrote something the other day uh, that I found interesting to somebody who had seen, uh, maybe it was that hummingbird, because he was talking about how you know, he got word of it and he's like dropping everything and knocking things over so he can get out of the house and go and find it. And somebody said, oh, well, I didn't get a photo of it. And, and Scranton, said, if you didn't get a photo of it, it doesn't, it didn't happen. You got to get a photo <laughs> of it. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but that's true. I thought about, cause I've thought about that. Even the birds in our yard. And now I've identified a baker's dozen, at least of different birds. I've never heard of that species. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's got uh, it's got caramel colored uh, belly and sort of uh, it's got feathers. And... Yeah, yeah, and a beak. <laughs> um, but um, I don't even know what the point was that it would be because I'm I'm actually if... I think I saw a female Oriole in the yard this week. Oh, I know I why I was going to say that because I wanted to get a photo of it and I didn't, so it didn't happen. You know, according to Jeff Scrantney, did not happen. So, there you go. Um, That's why I posted my indigo buntings. No photo yet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, the other, uh, a couple other things we wanted to talk about. We want to give a plug again to uh, the sixty second garden video challenge uh, by uh, the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. It's ongoing now. You can go to chicagogardeningawards.org. And it, I don't think you want to go out today if you're in the Midwest. It What a lousy day to take photos. But oh, actually, the lighting would probably be pretty good. Yeah. And um, if there's uh, moisture on the leaves. Yeah, you could get... Yeah, so maybe it isn't such a bad day to take photos. Um, your fingers, fingers might fall off, but other than that, it'll be fine. 
Um, but uh, the contest is open. Um, again, we have two sessions. We have uh, uh, spring and summer, and spring is now through the end of June. So mm-hmm. get your spring garden. And a lot of you know, it's interesting. We've had the eighty degree day uh, wreaked havoc on my crab apple bl- blooms. Uh, they opened just when we hit that first 80-degree day last week, and we had two in a row. Yeah. And by the end of the second day, the blooms were done. Hmm. They can go days, uh, and look, yeah. and, and the tree can look beautiful, but the wind and the heat uh, just did them in. And, 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 yeah. and, and the same thing happens with certain spring flowers. You know, if you get that heat, uh, it'll... It, yeah, the tulips will come and go in a hurry. They'll go like in a day. Uh, because it's just it's just too much for them, um, mm-hmm. and it was very frustrating. Because now we've got this cold, and I have some other flowers. And as I said, my Caria japonica, uh, or uh, Japanese rose, they call it. I think uh, that is the common name. I don't know. I just know the Latin name. Um, that bloomed for three weeks because it had the right temperatures. Just yeah, uh, pretty amazing. Cool. But at any rate, uh, now's the time for folks to get out and. Take photos of their garden and enter the mm-hmm. uh, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards yeah. 62nd Garden Video Challenge. And and this is kind of good because for the last four years we've been talking about we should have a spring section. Right. And, and this makes it so much easier to do it this way, to get the ephemerals, to get the viburnums, the, the chokeberries, all the flowering shrubs right now before, before the heat hits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if it does. And... Uh, you just you just never know uh, in in any given season. Uh, in fact, we'll be looking so, at. Go ahead. Yes, I was going to say. So so if somebody's not sure what we're talking about, um, the sixty second video challenge. You go out, take your camera, take a bunch of stills, or take a video. Do whatever you want. Put it together. Put music behind it or not. Get fancy. Put in titles or not. Upload it. We look at it. Make sure that you don't have copywritten music in there. And then post it to YouTube, and you can tell all your friends, neighbors, acquaintances, and everybody else. Send them there and have them vote for you. Uh, People's choice. And I see uh, Tree Skeetman is uh, with us, uh, and I'd be kind of interested in what he, uh, his observations on a couple of 80-degree days mm-hmm. and what that does for trees that are leafing out and uh, coming into season. And, and you also, by the way, mentioned to me uh, before the show – uh, and, and I want to get to one of the things is uh, the watering alert that we got from you got from Nature's Perspective Landscaping. Nature's Perspective. Yeah. Um, In Evanston. T- yeah. I'm going to talk about that with Rick uh, when he joins us in a few minutes. Um, because, as you mentioned, you you haven't gotten any rain in this yeah. event. I mean, nothing. Nothing. It's dry as a bone out there. Nothing. Yikes. Uh, and I've gotten two tents two-tenths of an inch in my backyard so far, then maybe, you know, I might get a quarter of an inch when uh, all is said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we've been getting, um, you were telling me about the plant health care report and uh, the uh, home yard and, and garden pest newsletter, which comes out from the Illinois Extension. The plant health care report comes out from the Morton Arboretum. Um and I noticed that there's uh, a uh, jumping worm update. Yeah, I saw that. From uh, and I have them. 
folks. Uh, I, we, we, a few weeks ago, we were going we to come back and talk about jumping worms, but we never did get around to it. Um, and uh, the uh, Home Yard and Garden Pest newsletter says uh, that jumping worms were first identified in Illinois in 2015. They've been in, um, confirmed in several counties across the state. Observations suggest eggs can overwinter in warmer parts of the state. Um, I see that's changed. I thought they, when they first report, and we had um, a U of I guy on our show, I think in 2017, talking about this, or maybe mm-hmm. 2018. Um, they're native to East Asia. They have been sold in the United States as bait under the names Crazy Worm, Alabama Jumper, and Snake Worm. Thank you, folks, <laughs> you anglers, for doing this to us. The worm has characteristic coloration and behavior. Adult worms are approximately the same size as other naturalized earthworms, but are much darker. Most of the body is dark gray or brown with a milky white or light gray band of tissue circling the body. It's the clitellum. Uh, the clitellum is smooth compared to other species where it's raised compared to the body. When disturbed, jumping worms become very active, wriggling and thrashing vigorously. Yeah, I call them writhing worms. I don't really think of them as jumping. Um, so management... But why are they bad? What do, well, what they're they voracious consumers of organic material, can affect soil quality. Uh, organic matter in the soils converted to earthworm casings, giving the top layers a grainy structure that looks like dry coffee grounds. Yep. I've seen that in my yard where Hmm. I've got them. This affects the soil structure, availability of nutrients in the soil, and soil water holding capacity. In turn, these changes can affect plant growth. And they breed quickly, and the eggs survive Illinois winters. Now, earlier they said the warmer places in Illinois. Uh, Adults reach maturity in approximately 60 days, allowing populations to double during the growing season. Uh, here's the good news. They're also capable of reproducing without mating. Oh, boy. Woohoo! Yay. <laughs> so, yeah, can't get rid of them. There are concerns about the effect these worms will have on native areas, ornamental plantings, and agronomic fields. Uh, they've been ind- identified in several states, including Wisconsin and Indiana. Um, from reports from Wisconsin, it appears that these worms are most damaging in areas without other established earthworm populations. That's interesting. Now, they say management consists of preventing the spread of these invasive worms. Well, guess what? They're already in my yard. Uh, Recommendations to prevent the spread of jumping worms and their eggs include clearing equipment before moving to another site, or I'm sorry, cleaning Mm -hmm. equipment before moving to another site, reducing the transportation of mulch and soil, and carefully inspecting nursery plants before installing them in a new landscape. If soil is infested, maintaining organic matter through Fertilization and mulching may help reduce the adverse effects of the worms. It doesn't sound like a lot of help, really. Um, no. I, 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 They're I, here. Yeah. I mean, gypsy moths are here. We're not going to eradicate that. We've got emerald ash borer. It's here. Uh, here. We, we, and we don't know because we just... 2013 is when the jumping worms showed up. Uh, and what we the ultimate... Yeah, right, probably here before then. They're identified at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they will do um, 
you know, how they're going to affect uh, our, our, our growing, it's, it's kind of hard to say right now. Nobody, nobody really knows about that. So there's your jumping worms r- update. Uh, jumping worm update for the week. <laughs> All right. Give that a ding. <laughs> hey, jumping worm. Wait, here's one. Well, KC says they're in Missouri, so. Or misery, as he wrote. <laughs> okay, Casey. Uh, so I'm glad you've got them too. Everybody now, send us your Everybody jumping worms. Jump. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Let's do it. But right, there's a dance. We need to do the, but you have to writhe. You have to kind of writhe around. Uh, any of those, uh, we got like uh, 30 seconds here. Anything else uh, that uh, you saw? That... Uh, upcoming show. Who's on next week? We got a big show coming up. Ooh, we got two big shows coming up um next week um we've got marta Keene from will county she's a recycling expert and um i know uh recycling is um is near and dear to my heart um and uh there have been changes in chicago and uh, i just want to talk to her get her alone and say okay explain why you can't recycle this why you can't recycle that what can you recycle because people are mighty confused by the whole thing it's 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 um it's become very much more complex than it should be uh but two weeks from today this i'm really stoked about Drum roll. Yeah. we're gonna have suzanne malik mckenna former uh commissioner of the department the late great department of the environment and sandra of Chicago, right. Sorry, yes, not the U.S. Um, and Sandra Henry, who was Rahm Emanuel's final sustainability coordinator for the city of Chicago. On the she pro- is watching right now, by the way. Oh, good. Um, and, uh, and they are going to be on together. And we're going to talk about the state of the environment in Chicago. And I am so stoked. What we're going to do is a deep dive. We're going to devote the whole program to that, with the exception of our, our Rick DeMaio segment. Um, but we're going to go from 9 to 10.30, just talking to these two brilliant women uh, and get their observations of what they've seen in Chicago, where we're headed, are we on the right track. Uh, and they know they know where the bodies are buried, okay, so to speak. Um, so I think it's going to be a really, really interesting conversation, something I've been hoping to do for a long time, and it's, it is finally coming together. So that's on the 23rd of May, and we hope you'll be here to listen to Sandra Henry and Suzanne Malik McKenna. It's going to be a great show. Okay, we've got meteorologist Rick DeMaio coming up next. Stick around. Today's world moves at dizzying speeds. We're used to getting food when we want it and how we want it. But at Sitka Salmon Shares, we think waiting can be a good thing. That's because we're a community-supported fishery. We wait for our smallboat fishermen to catch our fish using low-impact gear before we blast freeze it and ship it directly to you. Just like the fruits and veggies at your farmer's market or local CSA, wild-caught fish are harvested seasonally, which ensures the best taste. Sadly, the industrial seafood supply chain often takes fish around the world before it lands on your plate. And most fish from grocery stores and internet seafood providers can be frozen for well over a year. That fish waits for you instead of you waiting for it. 
it certainly doesn't taste as good. And that's a fact. It's also not as good for our planet. That's why we wait. Whether you're a farmer or a backyard gardener, assist your soil in providing key nutrients to your plants with Spectrum Soil Inoculum from Tinyo Biologicals. The beneficial microorganisms in Spectrum break down and release vital nutrients and make them more accessible to your plants. Spectrum works with nature to decompose organic matter into humus, building richer, healthier soil. Spectrum is approved for use on certified organic crops and is OMRI listed. Get Spectrum at blazing-star.com. Since 2001, DiveHeart has been revolutionizing rehabilitation using zero gravity and scuba therapy to give confidence, independence, self-esteem, and yes, freedom to children, veterans, and others with disabilities. At DiveHeart, we believe in the power of partnership because together we can do great things. Let DiveHeart help you imagine the possibilities in your life. Go to DiveHeart.org to learn more. You have the ability to give your soil a superpower. It's called composting. If you don't have a backyard, you need to contact Collective Resource Compost. CRC has diverted 7,000 tons of food scraps since 2010. They bring you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter from your kitchen, they swap it out and get it to a commercial composting operation. Fight climate change. Go to collectiveresource.us. And welcome back to the show, and, and there he is, uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Hey, Rick. Uh, let me wait. I think his okay, mic hi, is... Mike. Good morning. Oh, his mic is there on. There he is. Okay, good. Yeah. So I'm, we've got uh, partly blue sky and sunshine, sunshine up here in Lake County. Yeah. Yep. And totally different in areas to the south. Um, I'll send you guys a quick um, graphic that you can share with your... Um, listeners, Mike and Peg, but um, heavy rainfall to the south of us, and it's amazing. This was definitely uh, kind of, as Peg has pointed out, sunshine to the north, uh, basically feast or famine. And depending on where you were, uh, you got a lot of rain. Depending on where you were, you got very little rain, to put it bluntly. Or no uh, rain. So air, or, or, yeah, or just or no rain. Uh, right. But I think O'Hare Field came in with um, – I'm trying to look at their observations right now. I don't think the latest came in uh, – looks like 0.12 inches. Yep, 0.12 inches for O'Hare. Um, if you bear with me here, I'll read these off so the uh, listeners could check out their rain gauges as well. Uh, Midway Airport, 0.77. That's a pretty good number there. Hmm. Uh, a little bit further down to the south. Uh, Lewis University, Romeoville, northwestern part of Joliet, uh, looks like 1.27 inches. So clearly the further south you go, the more rain you got. Uh, down around Piatone, um, check this out, 2.25 inches of rain down wow, in Piatone. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty decent down there. And I think last but not least, uh, Tallgrass Prairie, that area down there, looks like about um, – I think their rain gauge hasn't been emptied in a while, uh, but it looks like about <laughs> – only because only, only it's saying six inches. That's not right. No, I'm looking at when the numbers actually started to total up uh, in about two – yeah, 1.98 inches. Uh, so, again, 
Um, in areas to the south of us, they got quite a bit of rain, and to the north, uh, nothing. So I think we are now on 131 consecutive days without a half-inch rainfall in a calendar day for O'Hare. That's the fourth longest streak ever. So again, wow. the areas that didn't, the areas that needed the rain didn't get it. The areas that did not need the rain got a lot of it. Um, and certain, certain areas to the north and west of us, there could even been um, maybe a couple of wet snowflakes mixed in, but but nothing nothing was reported, so um, I doubt anything came down. But yeah, unusually mm-hmm. cool and unusually wet and windy for a Mother's Day 2021. Uh, yeah, I went out uh, before the show uh, and checked my gauge. I had about 0.2. Um, and so, you know, because I'm, I'm a bit north of Midway, and it's kind of a severe demarcation. Uh, Peggy has zero. I'm at 0.2. Uh, O'Hare was yeah. at, at point, what, one six or something? What did you say? Uh, point, point 0.25, yeah. Oh, 0.25. Yeah, so they got more than I did, or my gauge isn't accurate, but uh, it, it gives me a rough idea of, of what yeah, I had here. But the like- the point is, Lake I didn't, and McHenry probably got nothing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get a quarter. I did not even get a quarter inch of rain. And um, let me pop up this map because you sent this uh, to us. Uh, this is the soil moisture map yeah. for the area. Now, is that arrow actually that little dark arrow? That's that's the, uh, an area that is really had. Uh, uh, it's only been drier than that one less than one percent of the time. Is that yeah, what, what they're yeah, what they're doing in there is they, they compare um, what's called percentiles. So if you would have 100 years, there were 99 years that were drier than this particular year. Um, it doesn't mean that we actually had that, but when you're looking both, when you look at numbers over a certain period of time, percentiles and medians and ranges, all those things can get kind of tricky. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised, Mike. When you check your rain gauge until this past hour, there was a little burst of rain that came through. Okay. They may have gotten like another tenth of an inch. But other than that, <laughs> I mean, I took my dog for a walk this And there, I know, ooh. Um, and, and there were actually areas under trees that were dry. Uh, so it showed you uh, just, to the, just to the south of us, it came down pretty good. And that was, that was kind of the thought with this whole thing, is there was going to be a real sharp cutoff between north and south. Um, yeah. Now – does that mean we're we're in it for the long haul? I don't think so. Again, it's still early in the month of May. Um, there have been other years past where we've been this dry and we've gotten, you know, decent amounts of rain. It's not widespread, as you can see just to the south of us. Uh, but there are some concerns in people's lawns and yards where you're not getting the rain, where you're kind of worrying about it. Um, it's interesting. You know, we made it down into the upper 20s. Um, yesterday morning, that that little cold snap, um, I think, kind of came upon us pretty quickly. And one of the reasons I noted, or or I I kind of noticed that the temperatures dropped off dramatically, was the ground was dry. And typically, this time of the year, when you have a lot of soil moisture, that moisture actually holds in the warmth. So when you have really really dry soil, you could easily knock two or three degrees off of that. And it was interesting to see there was some areas like Aurora got down to 27, DuPage County Airport 28, O'Hare 37, Urban Heat Island. Uh, but just to, just to show you how dryness works, back in 1983, we had three consecutive days of very, very cold weather. Uh, May 8th, May 9th, May 10th, we had a very, very dry 
month of June, and then we got into a very hot and dry summer, and it turned out to be one of the driest summers on record in 1983. And I remember that clearly because I got up to uh, Madison, Wisconsin, in I think it was about the first week of July, maybe the second week of July, for my orientation. I was transferring there, and I just was blown away by how brown everything looked um, on the bus trip from Ohio through Indiana through Illinois and into Wisconsin. And sure enough, that's all everybody was talking about uh, was the dryness that we had. So even though we did get some rain this morning to the south of us, it'll help those out that didn't need it. And places up north, um, you got to wait for the next one. And that one may not be until maybe next Saturday. So we're down five inches. This is the third driest stretch from January 1st through May 8th that we've ever seen. And by the way, those numbers come from Paul Merzlock, who does work with um, WGN. He's also one of my colleagues at Lewis University, so i got to give him the props on that. Uh, but when you look just at the uh, information or the local climate study for O'Hare, uh, that's, that's pretty remarkable considering the fact that We've been so wet the last three Mays, yeah. and this has just totally gone the other way. It really is interesting. If you could clarify something, though, when you say it's the driest, for what area are you talking specifically, O'Hare and Chicago? Yeah, just, just, yeah. See, climate is, is really tough, when you, when you, especially when you're looking at precipitation. And what you really need to do, and this is one of the things you do when you, when you learn how to do graduate study research, is you just can't take a point. You got to do a whole bunch of points and then take an average of that and then get one point that represents a larger area. Um, but if you do that, if you take that larger area and you average it out and just take a point for O'Hare, yeah, that point at O'Hare, if you look at the larger scale, uh, this is the fourth driest spell from January 1st um, into early May. Now, the only thing that's, that's keeping us okay is the fact that we've had some really, really cool weather in the yeah. months in the second half of April and parts of May. Whenever you get, I noticed even last week after those two warm days of Saturday and Sunday, things got and crinkly. The wind. And the wind, without a doubt, that, that evaporates a lot of moisture. And the last week, though, as Peg could allude to, uh, and Mike as well, but I'm four blocks from the lake, it's been miserable. I mean, it's just been <laughs> way, way too cold. I mean, you step outside and it's 48 degrees out. I mean, come on already. And there's oh. a wind chill. And there's a wind chill. You're right. I mean, you, I, I rode my bike yesterday. I was wearing hat and gloves. And here it is May mm-hmm. 8th. I'm like, you got to be kidding yep. me. Um, yep. But that's, that's the pattern we're in. And you know what? We go right back into a cool pattern. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday could be the first day where we don't have a lake breeze. That's it. The next five, four days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, lake breeze, lake breeze, lake breeze, lake breeze. Um, and so get used to it. Well, uh, I was looking at the maps uh, of the rainfall for this particular event. Um, it looked like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Iowa, which was really hurting, was going to get some rain out of this. Yeah, yeah, they, they, got, a, they got a decent inch and a half um, of rain. I don't know how the markets, corn and soybean, are going to react to it. Um, I think the farmers know long-term they, they could be okay based on the pattern. Still seems, still seems highly variable. There's a lot of wet systems that could come through between now um, and the end of the month. Again, it's not, it's not June 9th. It's May 9th. A lot of things could happen between now and then. Uh, but again, I think everybody is still 
looking at how the dryness could actually begin to connect, you know, from the desert southwest to the north. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, that that's that's the big concern. So we're we're still doing okay. It's like it's like us talking about how little snow we had um, in the third week of January, and then boom. I mean, it changed on a dime. Yeah. And next thing you know, we had in some areas of Chicago had over 50 inches of snow for the winter that lasted four and a half weeks. <laughs> and and I was in one of those areas. Um, yeah, 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 we got mm-hmm. we got hammered here in the city. Yeah, and itself. it just kept snowing and yeah. snowing and snowing. Um, but right. uh, and you're uh, like, okay, when is it going to stop snowing? But a lot of that snow was really dry. It didn't have a lot of moisture content yeah. to it. So as much snow as we got, you were talking 25, 28 to 1 ratios. It wasn't an 8 mm-hmm. to 1 ratio at all. It was one of the more remarkable series of events of, uh, of enormously heavy snow, I think that we'll probably see around here for another 30 years. That was really, that was, that was historic. Wow. Uh, and something uh, Peggy and I were talking about earlier, she sent me, uh, and maybe you want to address this, Peggy. I don't know if you have it in front of you, the nature's per- I perspective. I don't have it open at the moment. Okay, I do. Um, a landscaping uh, uh, outfit that we've had on our show before, Nature's Perspective Landscaping in Evanston, uh, sent out a watering alert this week. Um, and uh, it said, uh, and they were quoting the Tribune, uh, precipitation of more than trace has been mm-hmm. recorded just four times this month, uh, amounting to 0.67 inches of rain through April 28th, the sixth lowest total on record for April since 1871. Yeah. Uh, and they're it, telling people that you got to start paying attention to the water yeah. levels in your plants. And, water and, deeply. And um, especially if you've planted a tree, uh, early and, uh, they, uh, and, and you get faked out as you were just talking about Rick, oh, yeah. uh, because it's cool and people say, right. Oh, they equate water with coolness. It's a really strange phenomenon. Yeah. And you also equate green with, okay, but a lot of the yeah. grass is coming up due to the fact that it's relying on photosynthesis to get green. And then once it goes, okay, I've had enough. Now I have to start going down into the soil to get my energy. And it goes, it's not there. Um, Mm -hmm. What do I have to do differently now? So I I think it's also a good time uh, for for a pause and to go, huh, you know, this is really how nature works. You know, it's incredibly resilient, but at the same time, um, it's also kind of finicky on making sure that everything that it gets it gets at the right time every year. You know, I was riding my bike up through um, uh, Gilson Park, and uh, they had a native plant sale up at um, up in up at Gilson Park, and it was in amazing Evans. how uh, this is actually in Wilmette. Okay? Wilmette, so Wilmet, yeah, yeah, Wilmette, right, right and by behind. I, I was, right, right, right there, and I was amazed how many people were out and about buying native plants and it was cool because it wasn't just a plant sale but it was a native plant sale um and i think that was really great that you know communities like evanson and wilmette focus on native plants um and making sure that people are not going out and about and googling how do i make my garden look like the best garden in the world you don't need that you just need the native plants there to make sure that they're doing the right thing and making sure that these plants are not trying to grab up moisture and sunlight that they not normally are getting. So uh, kudos kudos to the native plants that up and what. By the way, Mike, I mentioned your name 
Um, and the price of Uh-oh. my plants were ten percent higher. Yeah, so <laughs> I was going to say they escorted you to the exit. No, <laughs> thanks, Rick. And I, didn't, and I, I mentioned Peg's name, and I got I got free breakfast. You know, egg, sausage, and hot coffee. So. You're, not, you're doing something wrong there, Mike. I don't know what's up with that. Okay, oh, thanks, man. I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I want to let you know we got a report from our buddy, Pat Scatch. Um, he says he spoke with his uh, farmer friend uh, today. This was, uh, when did we get this? Uh, yesterday. Um, and he says, all planting of corn and soybeans completed yesterday on the 7th. That's great. 5,000 acres completely planted. Um not the earliest completion, but ahead of schedule. Surrounding farmers also worked 18 to 20 hour days, and most are completed as well. So, and that's yeah. south of here. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the, and that's great news because they've had the dry weather, they've had the dry soil, and they knew that this rain was coming, so they wanted to get that in. Uh, and now it's just a matter of time for you know things to germinate. So, I would not be surprised if most of our most of our nearby crops are going to be are going to be just fine. I think they're going to be okay with that. It's 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 the backyard farmer. It's the weekend warrior. Uh, those are the ones that you know go to the store and buy something and they plant it and then a week later they go, okay, how come you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing here? <laughs> well, those they're not the paying attention to the water, you know. And I'll I'll give you yeah. an example. Um, I want to say a month ago, it might even have been six weeks ago. It was uh, uh, probably a month ago. I transplanted a uh, coneflower that's in front on my parkway uh, because it was very close to the sidewalk and pretty vulnerable, you know, and in a big city, you got coneflower blooms and somebody will come by and and just lop it off. So I put it more in the middle of the bed where it's likely to thrive. So I planted it, root system, got it in there, got it in the ground, watered it in, go the next day, it looks great. Um, I keep going back to it and it's become my my barometer, if you will, of... It's a, the rain. It's a rain gauge. It's a living rain gauge for me because several mm. times I've I've looked at it and the leaves have started to curl, because it doesn't have a great root system yet. It hasn't, a, and and I, and these were times when the weather's been cool. We had a little bit of rain, and I and I expected it to be thriving, and the leaves were curled, and I and I would water it, and it, boom, it would pop back, and it's been my my living rain gauge about how little water we've had. It's been very very interesting to watch. What what is what is the best plant from a potted plant a hanging plant for people to buy for their um for their balconies that don't get a lot of sun begonias are great um because they're they're very colorful and um and and they're they're tougher than a lot of people think um i've got Mm -hmm. they'll take some cold they'll take some dryness um, so th- those are, those are good for uh, potted plants. Uh, I'd have to, uh, Peggy, have you got anything else in, in mind off the top of that your head? doesn't get a lot of sun. doesn't get a lot of sun. What do you think, Peg? Well, hanging it, baskets. Uh, are you looking for something that blooms or just foliage, nice foliage or what? Because pretty much you can take any of the tropicals yeah. that you have indoors and they don't need sun. They just need bright, indirect light. And so I take a lot of my tropicals, like I said, some begonias. I have a spider plant. Mm-hmm. I have um, a wax plant. I have... Um, uh, uh, Casey just suggested fuchsia, hummingbird attractor. Right. That was my next question, because where we used to live on the northwest side of Evanston, we had a hummingbird feeder, and every day we get the hummingbirds out. 
But I got a feeling in the more urban area of Evanston, it's probably not going to be the case. Am I right about that? Well, if you have things that attract them, though, and and some of your neighbors do as well. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't think the same one from Evanston is going to find us over here on this side. But um, they were they were two hummingbirds, and man, they were they were beautiful to watch. But um, uh, I'm I'm kind of missing out on on that. But um, you yeah, might so you might still get something if you you know if you give them enough time to find it. Uh, I'm hoping to do that this year. I've had I've been here 20 years now and seen exactly three hummingbirds in 20 years, and I'm. You know, I'm, I'm smack in the middle of the city, but I know there are hummingbirds around. They, they'll show up uh, in the parks, uh, but so I have to work a little harder on that. By the uh, way, a little bit of an update on the Great Lakes. Uh, last week, I sent you pictures of all the work that the city of Evanston did. Yeah. Um, I drove up along, not drove, but rode my bike up through Northwestern. And from the new athletic center all the way down to the end of the lagoon, where the uh, arts building is, Mike and Peg, they completely rebuilt the seawall there, completely. They took out all of the rocks that the kids have spent years graffitiizing, which is a shame. No! They took all of them. Yep, those are all gone. <laughs> I know, I know. Peg, your rock is gone. Sorry about that. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what's interesting is they rebuilt on the, the seawall, but it was, what's that? Uh, out on the lake fill. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's right on, it's basically the Lake Michigan shoreline there. Yeah. Um, the, the lake so, hill is what it's called. Yeah. Like, okay. That's what they call it. But what they did is they put the same large black, um, filled sand canvas bags that they had on Lee street beach up on Northwestern. So wow. they went, they went yeah. the full route. They, they put in two rows of literally a buffer to keep the water and the rocks from basically collapsing because that whole area literally sunk about two or three feet uh, wow. from the fact that the lake was so high and it was literally destroying those rocks. That's all been rebuilt. Um, I also went up, as I mentioned, to Gilson Beach, and they literally added, I'm not kidding you, they probably added at least 100 feet of beach. I was blown away. Hmm. So clearly the city of Wilmette, um, has some money, which I know they do, yeah. but they they made the decision, we're going to rebuild our beach because that's the only way you can get people to the beach. Because clearly when you don't have enough beach and then you still have to social distance, although I think those rules are probably going to go away, that's a really tough thing for the, for the cities to manage. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not some of the beaches maybe, you know, on the south side of Chicago or a little bit further north that don't have the same amount of revenue are able to do that kind of, you know, management. Uh, but again, this is what we're looking at. And also whether or not the beaches over in Indiana and Michigan will also rebuild some of their beaches. So the good news about the dry weather is that the lake level continues to drop. We're now down 11 and a half inches from where we were last year. And again, it's not the rain we get here. It's the rain in Wisconsin mm-hmm. and Michigan. Um, but it still looks like the rain that the, the precipitation that you normally get this time of the year that you're not, we can easily go back into a dry pattern and we could be in, in um, you know, worse shape from a standpoint of a drought as we head maybe into the middle of the summer. But again, <laughs> bad news for farmers, bad news for gardeners, but good news for the Great Lakes. So it's, it's kind of like one of those stories that has two sides to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, good for the Great Lakes. Well, good news What's for that, Equilibrium being reached somehow. 
Well, and good news for for the for the piping plovers as well. When I was I I went to see Marty and Rose uh, this uh, on Wednesday, and I was talking to Bob, and I said, "Where would the lake level have been last year?" And he said, "Well, where we're standing now would have been underwater, and it was like thirty feet from the shoreline." So they added another <laughs> about I would I would guess about mm-hmm. thirty feet that would have been underwater last year, and so yeah, the, it is. It is- the birds have more places yeah, to uh, to nest now. They have a, a and and so I'm wondering if some of that was in effect in the beaches you were looking at in Evanston and Wilmette. Yeah, probably so. And you know, I have I'm teaching two climate change classes at Loyola this summer, um, and I'm really bummed out second year in a row that I have to do the classes remotely because when I when I teach those classes on campus during the summertime, there's nothing better than an evening class being brought down to the lakefront ah. and walking along the lake or just sitting there. And, you know, you and uh, Mike and Peg, you both have been um, right there at the entrance to the uh, Madonna del Strada Cathedral. And you look out over the lake, and it's probably one of the prettiest places in the city of Chicago. Uh, but but teaching there during the summertime and bringing your students to, you know, the, the seventh largest body of freshwater in the world and being able to explain to them, to them, uh, you know, things that you're trying to get across to them. Um, I got to do again through a computer. So mm-hmm. hopefully this will be the last year that we do things, but uh, we're slowly, I think, as we all know, getting back to normal. So well, and, um, hopefully it's, we'll be- it's been kind of a theme for the show today is the idea is that outdoors is better. It's, you know, and, and especially outdoors with masks, there's nothing like it. And, and that's pretty safe right now. And that's what we've determined. So if you can get, I, you know, I hope that they'll figure out that it, yeah. if you can get students to wear the masks and you can go outside and be socially distanced and you could probably have classes there again. Um, and well, we, and yeah. even if it's cold and rainy and windy, there's a reason to go outside. There's something new to see every single day. Yeah. All right, yes, well, we, we, we need a forecast here so we can get out. <laughs> okay, uh, first off, happy Mother's Day to everybody. Um, so uh, basically the rain is over. Again, about two-tenths of an inch north side, literally none further north. Um, nope. Three-quarters of an inch at midway and one to two inches far south. High today, about 50 degrees. Normal high is 68. Um, again, upper 40s, upper 40s lakefront tomorrow. Tuesday and Wednesday, low to mid 50s inland. And because the upper levels of the atmosphere are going to be really cool, we're going to see these instability clouds and a couple of sprinkles develop not only tomorrow, but also Tuesday. And then that cool pocket moves east. And then it looks like uh, basically sunshine and dry for um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe 70 degrees by next Saturday. So next Saturday is the next day we're actually near normal. And then another front comes through, but hopefully with that uh, front next Saturday and Sunday, some rain. So literally the next chance of any appreciable rain, probably not until next Sunday. And if that's the case, then we'll be officially six inches, six inches of rain below normal for the year. That's a lot. Wow. That's a lot. And it's and And the only thing that's keeping us from being in a significant drought stage is the fact that it's been cool. So we're, 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 we're living life on the edge, as they say. <laughs> yeah. And you don't want to get too far into deficit because then you can't make it up at some point, I would guess. It takes a lot to make up six inches of rain this time of the year. Yep. Yeah. All right, Rick, thanks so much. Uh, have a great uh, mom's day. Uh, stay warm. 
Okay, here we are in May. Stay warm. Put, put on everybody. your gloves and, and your hat. Yeah, okay. Turtleneck. A turtleneck. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, see you next Take week. Take care, bye guys. Bye-bye. Uh, and uh, that's it, I guess. All right, it, it's that's a, a wrap. I'm sorry I didn't get that. I'm still looking at that setup for the two... And I see what I did wrong now, but it's it's too late to to, to well, you do. You can it. pop it up for half a second. Um, no, I would have to fix it first, and oh, okay. uh, if I do that, it's going to take too much. So let's just do this, um, and thank uh, the folks on the show today: uh, Bob Benenson and Elsa M. Jacobson, mm-hmm. uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio, Kathleen running up. You know, she she's been. Warming she's been Instagram this morning too. She's been doing Instagram, and she warmed my coffee a couple of times. She's the best. Um, Lagata is, is shunning me again. I don't know about Basil the dog. He, he's uh, on the front porch. Okay. Well then, uh, until next time, go green. And we got two great shows coming up in the next two weeks. Go green or go home. Stadler? Oh, uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. Uh-huh.